0: Welcome. Legally Brief presents Changing Our Institutions. I'm your host, Judy Saunders. I'm a lawyer who works with private and public companies, educational institutions, and sports organizations to identify root causes, confront historic failures, and boldly implement change to our institutions. This podcast is for corporate change agents, disruptors, and mindset mavericks who are committed to making our institutions work better for themselves and the next generation. I wanna remind you that while I hope you enjoy every episode in the series that we're doing on changing our institutions, the content of this programming is not a substitute for speaking directly with an attorney who understands your unique circumstances. If you're looking for past episodes or information, please head on over to my website. There you'll find information and you can sign up for newsletters and you can learn more about me and my practice. I'm glad you're here. Let's get ready and let's talk and make some changes. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Legally Brief. This episode is being recorded during the month of February, which is the time that our country celebrates African-American History Month. It is an occasion where we remember, commemorate, and think about all of those individuals that made our country a better place, a more livable, a more conscious, a more aware place, focusing on injustices, focusing on contributions that the African culture has had on America. Usually when we think about Black History Month, we remember the big names, the icons, the Dr. King, Rosa Park, Harriet Tubman, James Baldwin. We think about those individuals that are common and often taught in our schools. But on today's episode, we're going to focus on names that are not in the bright lights or names that are not on the marquee, as I like to call them. One of those individuals is Claudette Colvin. Claudette Colvin in March of 1955 in Montgomery, Alabama, was a young 15-year-old Black girl on her way home from school and entered a bus in the city of Montgomery. During that time, segregation laws Jim Crow prohibited and mandated that African-Americans could not sit on the bus. They had to sit in the back of the bus if they were even allowed. They were subject to arrest, police brutality, torture, and humiliation if they did not get up. And immediately. immediately give their seat to a white patron. Well, little Claudette, 15, the exact age as my son right now, got on the bus and refused to give up her seat to a white woman that had demanded that seat from her. Now, in doing that, Claudette knew of what she could face, but Bravely stood her ground when the bus driver demanded that she give up her seat. The bus driver then called the police who dragged Claudette off of the bus and her, she gives an account, an account that was memorialized by NPR. Claudette remembers that time and I want to share a little bit from that interview. Claudette reported that the bus driver ordered her to get up and she said that she knew that she had paid her sheer fare and that she had a constitutional right to be in that seat. The two police officers handcuffed her. She said her books went flying off of her lap. It had happened that at the time that she was arrested, Claudette in her school, they were celebrating Negro History Month, Black History Month. The celebration began about in 1926. So this is happening. This arrest of Claudette is happening in 1955. And Claudette recalls that during her school celebration of what it was called at the time, Negro History Month, they were studying Black leaders like Harriet Tubman. And they were also learning about the Underground Railroad and Sojourner Truth, who was a former slave who became an abolitionists and women's rights activists. In the class during that time, Claudette says they were also really studying about Jim Crow segregation laws and not being able to eat at a lunch counter. She also says that they were learning about how Blacks and African-Americans could not go into a clothing store, that if they wanted to try on a shoe, they would have to draw a diagram of their foot on a brown paper bag and take that to the store. She says that at the time, her mind was just full of Black history and the oppression that they went through. She says, she told reporters to NPR that she felt as if Sojourner Truth was on one side pushing her down and Harriet Tubman was on the other side pushing her down and that she was not going to give up her seat on the bus that day. She was scared when the police officers pulled her off of the bus and she started to cry. And then she also started to say the Lord's Prayer. In a book that was written about Claudette, the author Phil Hose went on to say that this act by Claudette Colvin was really monumental. And it wasn't until nine months after this 15-year-old did that brave act that Rosa Parks then, the Rosa Parks that we celebrate and the act that she did, it wasn't until nine months after Claudette that Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on the bus But I want to circle back and talk a little bit about, from that book, from Phil Hosen's book, Claudette gave this account of what happened to her on that day in March, 1955. She said that the bus driver's tone was extremely angry and that when the police came, they started and they were shouting for her to get up, that one of the um, bus drivers referred to Claudette as a, you know, as a troublemaker and that she needed to get up when the... The police officer grabbed her by her arm and pulled her out of a seat. She says that she felt she went limp because she knew not to fight back. They dragged her off the bus and one of the police officers kicked that 15-year-old girl. She then says that it was her constitutional right. She said she never swore, never was disrespectful. The account goes on to say that the police officers put her in the back of the police car and shut the door. Claudette remembers that they then stood there for several moments and then ordered her to stick her hands out of the windows, at which time she was Handcuffed. She says that the officer got into, one of them got into the back seat with her, and that she then began to pray. During the ride to the, what she thought she was going to, a juvenile facility, the officers, these grown men, then began to ridicule her. Claudette says that they took turns guessing her bra size and referred to her as a nigger. And the next word, and for any pe- people that are listening, begins with a B. They cracked jokes about her body, about her body and her body type and her body parts. She was reciting the Lord's Prayer over and over in her head to try to push back the fear. She also began to think about how going to juvenile court at that time meant that she would end up being forced to pick cotton because that's the way that they punished juveniles and would be taken to a school far from her home in the country to do day labor. But Claudette goes on to say that instead they took her in another direction and she ended up going to what would have been the adult jail or penitentiary at that time at more. The cops then began to call her a thing and call her a whore. She was called that repeatedly when she was taken into the police station by other police officers. At the time, she was crying. She recalls continuing to be crying. Her mother got word of Claudette's arrest, and also Claudette's pastor at the time, who was a Reverend Johnson. They worked it out so that the pastor, the Reverend, and her mother went to the jail and they saw Claudette. They were able to bail her out, and she was taken home. She lived in a section of Montgomery at the time called King Hill. Claudette goes on to say that the neighbors, the family came around and they were felt very proud and her spirits were uplifted by how they encouraged her and how they all gathered around her to protect her. Because at those times, standing up to the police and doing an act that Claudette had done could result in the domestic terrorist group, the KKK, coming to your house terrorizing you, killing you and killing your family. She feared being raped at the time and she was very afraid. She went on to say that her father and members of the community, the King Hill community, sat up watching all night, rifle in hand, fully prepared for a confrontation with the KKK. There was a portion of the interview where Claudette talked about, and this is how I had found out. I'd learned of this story several, several years ago, Claudette Colvin. And there was the discussion as to why wasn't Claudette uplifted to the same icon status and given the same recognition as Rosa Parks at the time. Well, Claudette had her suspicions and there's other individuals who have opined upon that. One reason is that Claudette was a teenager at the time and her opinion, her experience wouldn't have been deemed as valuable by leadership in the civil rights movement. There's other individuals had stated that because Claudette uh, had become pregnant later on that she didn't have the quote unquote reputation. She was a mother, young mother, unmarried mother, and they didn't want the civil rights movement to be marred by someone of that character, I guess that you can you can state. There's also talk of some colorism. When we think about why Claudette didn't receive the same recognition, Rosa Parks was a secretary at the organization of NAACP was of fairer skin at the time, and civil rights leaders felt that she would better represent the image of a middle-class African-American that they wanted to portray. Claudette, now she is alive and well and living in New York City. And what I also thought was interesting about Claudette is that for years, she was subject to and charged with a crime and it wasn't until decades later that a judge later vacated those charges so she was unfortunately you know lived into you know decades with this alleged you know crime charge hanging over her head and that's the type of individual that is so important to what we are celebrating and what is important about African-American? It's African-American history. When I think about the my boys and I, we've been doing different acts to try to raise awareness within our family and within our home about individuals who are really the foundation of American history. I know that, unfortunately, even today, the schools that my kids attend, they are not going to get a full, true and accurate story. Of American history. So I know that it's my duty and obligation as it is. Anyone who enjoys Truth, literature, and thoroughness that we have to pull in stories that you won't see in Hollywood, that you won't see on social media, and that will never be carried by big networks. We have an obligation to teach beyond just the names that are easily recognizable. And that's why it's important that we talk about individuals that are not in the lights. The Claudette Colvins. Another individual that many, some people may know, but not as uh, widely circulated, is Judge Constance Baker Motley. Judge Motley is of particular importance to our judiciary system and all of the work that she done, she did rather. And when we think about Judge Motley, it is really appropriate because we are waiting for names to be offered For the next Supreme Court justice, I recorded an episode about giving background about just this was just last week President Biden's promise to nominate an African American female to the position after Justice Breyer retired. And when you think about Constance Baker Motley, that was an individual that for years, when she was at the height of her career, individuals had stated she should be nominated. She worked for Thurgood Marshall, and she was so instrumental and well-respected, but was overlooked time and time again. She had a great career in the judiciary. She ruled on several important decisions. One decision had to do with Sports Illustrated and what is landmark, a landmark decision that now today permits female journalists to have a level playing field, literally level the playing field and level the game for female journalists to secure high demand accounts and stories from athletes. In a ruling Locky v. Khan, there was on one side, there was the Sports Illustrated reporter, Melissa Latke, and I think I'm saying her name right, who was barred. She was 27 years old at the time. She was barred from entering the New York Yankees clubhouse during the World Series. And she was barred because at the time, women could not, this is in um, the 1970s, 1978, women could not enter the locker room. They couldn't enter the clubhouse. They were made to sit outside or sit in a, you know, wait in the dugout while their male counterparts can go in there and get those highly coveted exclusive stories. And then what happened is that Melissa Lockie sued. And in hearing the case, we learned that on through Justice Motley's decision in 1978, that female journalists were made to wait outside. They weren't allowed to go to enter the locker rooms. And that put them at a great disadvantage from not being able to report on these stories. Specifically, the f- facts with um, Melissa Lotke's case is that she was attempting to interview Reggie Jackson after the World Series. And she had to wait for hours, actually wait and sit in the dugout. Because she and other journalists were excluded. Justice Motley ruled in favor of female journalists and said that in essence, that they had to be permitted, that they couldn't be placed at a disadvantage. At the very simplest that these athletes, they had to cover up if they were going to, you know, allow for the male journalists to enter female journalists also should be permitted that right to go in and to secure these exclusive interviews. So it's not a name that we hear a lot when we think about the courts, when we think about the rights of women, the rights of journalists, or however you want to think you know, of the impact that Judge Motley had, but it was a significant impact nonetheless. And these, again, are names that we may not always hear or see or know of when we think about Black History Month. But when we think about Black History Month, we are really talking about American history. And we don't want to overlook the names that are not in the bright lights because nothing happens in a vacuum. Nothing happens overnight, even when we think about the struggles that our country is going through. It takes and it took. We know that so many of the rights that we enjoy as Americans, and I don't, when when I say Americans, I mean from whatever background, race, ethnicity, nationality, we know that when we secure the rights for one group, everyone enjoys those rights. So when you have a Claudette Colvin who secured the rights for anyone to sit on a bus that led to boycotts that Rosa Parks continued. We all, any individual of color, any nationality, these laws, Jim Crowism that was chipped away at slowly, we still feel the impact and the vestiges of segregation, but we would not have gotten so far if it wasn't for the Claudettes, if it wasn't for the Judge Motley's, the rights of women's journalists and other rights that were called into question we wouldn't be able to celebrate. So these individuals, these women, these Americans who are not always, who we are here, or we think about, we think about African-American history and we celebrate Black History Month. It's their importance. It's their sacrifice that gives us American history. I'm so happy that I was able to share with you two names That are not on the marquee. And there's two things that I think that we all can do as part of Black History Month. I was having a conversation with a friend and we were discussing how different months that we recognize. So if it's St. Patty's Day in March or it's Black History Month, how do we make these more than just You know, a passing headline, or she was asking me in particular, how does she really be involved and get her children to recognize the full expanse and importance of Black History Month? And I was mentioning that one thing that she could do is make a donation immediately. Do it now. It feels so good. It feels so right to make a donation to a group, to a charity, a cause that supports and does the work that you may not have the time or the bandwidth to do. So I had said that making a donation to the NAACP, and making a donation to organizations such as the United Negro College Fund that supports historically Black colleges and universities. So these organizations are able to do the nonprofit work that you may not have the time to do. So that's one thing that you can do immediately right now. The other thing that I had mentioned that you can do to commemorate as we round off or end Black History Month to make it truly meaningful and maybe turn this into a ritual that you do with your family or you do with your close friend group is really make an effort to, if it's listening or watching or doing something enjoyable that expands your intellect and your intelligence of Black history, understanding that There's no culture that's going to be just one dimensional. For so long, African American culture is, has been, continues to be portrayed in very simplistic ways. You're either portrayed living in the ghetto, struggling in the ghetto, or you're portrayed as hard knock life in slavery with Few, if any, joys, no complexity. So if you think about the movies and the characters, no complexity in the Hollywood characters. If you do a quick guide or preview of the different movies out there that portray white culture, you have a plethora of characters, whether they're love, it's drama, whether it's characters that deal with business or entrepreneurship or motherhood or life. There's just complexity. And there's, you fall in love with these characters. You can't really fall in love or identify with so many of the characters that we see portraying African Americans. They're either portrayed as being aggressive or being portrayed as sexually promiscuous or showing their body and as these. It makes me think of the officers that Claudette Colvin said were calling her, you know, a whore and talking about her body. Well, that same sentiment in 1955 is portrayed in 2020, that the the body, the female form of an African-American is good for only a few things. So as part of this month, use this as an opportunity to expand the way you think and the stories you tell yourself about African-Americans. How can you do that? One way that I know and that I talk about is to read and subscribe to the Anti-Racism Daily. It's a newsletter that's put out, and it just has wonderful perspectives and things that you may not, have even considered and thought of. There's, if you commute, I'm always telling individuals, if you want to become culturally competent and aware, if you commute, put in your rotation of Things that you listen to, audiobooks and podcasts. I'm glad you listened to Legally Brief and I'll continue to bring, you know, thought-provoking perspectives on African American culture and other cultures. But also I personally love to listen to one of the other podcasts, which is Code Switch. I find to be really helpful to broaden my understanding and broaden my perspective. You can also, you know, tune in and listen to, I'll give you just a couple and i'm pulling it up right now as as we're talking there's the therapy for black girls there's also i'm looking at which is funny i love the daily show but with trevor noah that's also one that you can tune into and listen to but there's just there's so many ways to broaden our understanding of each other and there's also here's the last one a recommendation called Black History for White People. These are some things that we can do so that we better understand each other, so that we see each other in different lights. And it's an active way to celebrate Black History Month. As always, thank you for listening. You can feel free to reach out to me directly on my Facebook page. I love to read your comments. And until next time, be well. All information and content in this podcast is provided for entertainment purposes only. Nothing in this podcast shall constitute legal advice and shall not create an attorney-client relationship. This information is general and may not be applicable to your particular circumstances. You should review your particular circumstances with an attorney. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this podcast is hereby expressly disclaimed.